I'm Francesca Donnellan. Welcome to Becoming More Human, the podcast. Every generation, through its arts and creativity, explores the same questions. Who am I and what really matters? We are so often taught how to emulate others, to make other people happy. But how do we access what's good for ourselves and be strong enough to actually claim it? It's a constant practice because we all keep evolving. There are no limits to personal growth. You can start your journey today and get closer to discovering your true self. Give back to the people around you and make the world a better place. Hello listeners, on today's episode I'm talking with Samantha Baines. She's a multi-award winning comedian, actress, broadcaster and best-selling author. She hosts the smash hit podcast The Divorce Social and as a hearing aid wearer herself, she's the author of critically acclaimed children's book with deaf main characters and the hotly anticipated non-fiction book Living with Hearing Loss and Deafness. You may recognise her from appearances on ITV's Loose Women, Sky News and Andrew Neal's This Week or acting roles in Netflix The Crown, Call the Midwife, Silent Witness or Magic Might Live directed by the wonderful Channing Tatum. She's a regular on BBC radio stations as well across the UK. Samantha is an exceptional woman facing adversity with humour and allowing us to deep dive into her personal journey with deafness throughout this episode. So please go and buy her book. That's enough from me and let's jump straight in. Welcome, Samantha, to Becoming More Human. I am so, so happy that you are on the show today with us. How are you feeling today? I'm good. I'm excited to become more human. (laughs) (laughs) I am excited to see what Becoming More Human is for Samantha. We we met recently, we should tell we should tell the listeners. We met recently and you just haven't stopped making me laugh. And I, I follow you on Instagram now as well. And I, I love um I love following you. I love all your content and everything you you're about. So I've basically turned into a massive fangirl during these last five minutes. Sorry Fine. about that. <laughs> well also when we met, I don't think it was the first time we met, but maybe the second time you were wearing like yeah. snazzy leather trousers and I was like, This is a woman <laughs> I need in my life. <laughs> I love I love a good leather trouser. You can't beat it. Well, Samantha, to kick off um, Becoming More Human, I'd love you to pick a song, a piece of poetry, a book, something that means something to you, reflects a point in your life when you felt you had to address who you really were in order to thrive in this bold world. So I love this idea of like picking something arty to like express how you're feeling at the time. And I'm sure people have picked like incredible works of art. I, however, am picking <laughs> um, Rolling by Limp Biscuit. You know, the song, <laughs> keep rolling, rolling, rolling. Um, and, <laughs> and I, you know, there are many Limp Biscuit fans out there. I would not necessarily yeah. class it as an incredible work of art. Mm. Um, I appreciate the um, musicianship. Is that a word yeah. of it? I think it's a word. We'll go with um, it. But basically, I've picked this because when I was, this was like, I must have been maybe in sixth form, I think, or definitely in secondary school. And all my friends at the time were into like trendy, rocky, grungy, emo Ooh. music. And that was like not my vibe of music. But I um, went along with their likes of music because yeah. I'd, I used to weirdly listen to like a lot of like 80s rock and roll because of my dad's influence mm. and like stuff at home. And the first CD I ever bought was 
the Venga Boys. Um, so, oh, the very iconic. Yeah. So, but you can see that, that maybe music wasn't like a, a great love for me. So, uh, I mean, it's, it's definitely an interesting thread yeah, of choices. Exactly. I would say. <laughs> I once had to, um, I was asked to do a radio show and pick a selection of music and they were like we've never had a more varied random selection and I was like I've just picked songs that make me happy but yeah so my friends got into Limp Biscuit, and they wanted to go to this Limp Biscuit concert and I didn't really know anything about Limp Biscuit, so I bought the CD and I listened to it at home to like prepare myself for the concert. And the big song at the time was Keep Rolling, Rolling, that one, um, where Fred Durst does a thing where he's like driving a car. Um, so I was like, well, at least I'll sort of learn that one. And then I won't yeah. look like I don't know what I'm doing when we get mm. there. And so it, it felt very grown up. Like we didn't go with any adults. We were on our own. And Ooh. we were obviously in the cheap seats because we had no money. And yeah. um and basically, I now blame that Limp Biscuit concert on um, my hearing loss and deafness. Um, and <laughs> I should say there is no there that is this is not fact based in any way. Um, <laughs> I was about to ask actually. Yeah, I'm not going to sue them, and please don't them. Sue Are they me. aware of this? <laughs> um, I have written it in my book, and apparently, when I was writing my book, because um, people always ask me how my hearing loss and deafness started, and the truth is, I don't know because the symptoms right. start so slowly and sort of build up over mm. time. Unless you have an occasion like your eardrum bursts, for example, or you right. have an infection and that causes it. Um, it can sort of be a slow burn. So I'd like to, I wanted to pick an occasion and there's this this memorable concert, which is incredibly loud. And I didn't really enjoy that much. And when I was writing um, about it in my book, I looked up Fred Durst and he now himself has hearing loss and has oh, no. learned American Sign Language. So, oh my, so basically, you're two kindred spirits that maybe have gone through this at the same time. We've come full sliding circle. doors moment. Yes. I felt like I had nothing in common with Limp Biscuit, and now me and Fred. And now look at you. Probably have a. Great you are joined. Time. Yeah. You were you were joined by your share experiencing deafness. I mean, how how old were you then at that age? Six sixteen. Yeah, I, I I'm really bad. I also have ADHD, so I'm I'm really bad with like time periods right. and um so I was definitely in secondary school possibly in sixth form so yeah before uni so it must have been like 15 16 probably 16 for our parents to let us go on our own to the concert mm. but um but that's but that was when it was so you you weren't born with it this is when it was slowly started coming on for you well so we don't know so this is oh yeah interesting. this is the interesting thing so I was told when I was 29 I went for a, I went to the GP because I had tinnitus and the GP mm. sent me for a hearing test. And at the time, I assumed that she just like got a bonus or something if she sent me for a hearing test. And I was like, I don't want her to lose her bonus. So sure, I'll go. <laughs> but I thought, you know, nothing of it. Um, and then I always say to people, you can't, it sounds straightforward, but you can't hear what you can't hear. But in an eye right. test, you can see that you can't read the bottom can't. line. Yeah, but in a hearing test, you have no idea. So I thought I'd like, like taste I, it. 
<laughs> I thought so you walked out absolutely like smashed oh it. yeah like really smug um like they were gonna start etching my name on some sort of board for like the <laughs> highest results because I'm very competitive and then they were like you have hearing loss in both ears here's your graphs and we think you benefit from a hearing aid so that was age 29 okay okay right so in that moment how did you feel that's kind of life-changing information to have received yeah it was a complete shock jaw on the floor moment I don't Mm. think I've really had I mean I do these silly reaction videos on um, Instagram where I do the kind of shock jaw open those are kind of for comedy effect but this I I don't think I've ever had an actual jaw on the floor real moment of completely I mean looking back I can see Mm. so many signs that I was deaf um but yeah at the time did your parents not did your parents not pick that up though when you were younger no so so I was born just before the newborn hearing test started so it started in the early 90s so when I was a baby so nowadays you have a baby and it gets taken away for it for a proper hearing test um Mm. I think at the time they just sort of clicked near your ear and they were like yeah it's fine if you turned around (laughs) um so there was no kind of test at that age and then I do remember at school I was always called a goody two shoes because I did always sit at the front and I didn't want right. to like miss out. And a part of me does mm. think, was I sitting at the front so I could hear and lip read? Because God, when I right. found out age 29, I needed a hearing aid, I started looking into lip reading and I started realizing that I did it automatically and I'd done it for years and years. Oh, wow. So, um, so yeah, it could have been around from when I was much younger, but I had lots of ear infections and glue ear and I had grommets put in when I was younger. Right. But I don't remember ever having a hearing test until 29. Wow. Wow. That's quite, it's kind of incredible. There's something quite amazing about that because obviously, you know, the the world we live in now, there's, I guess a lot of people are looking into themselves for a lot of different diagnosis. You know, we see it on Instagram, obviously you mentioned earlier about ADHD, ADD, all the, all these things. There's just a lot of things I feel I'm seeing happening and people talking about stuff and listening to friends with children and talking about, oh, my kid, I think has got this X, Y, and Z. But back then, you know, back when you were younger, it just wasn't talked about. I mean, we joke that one of my brothers, you know, my mum walked in when he was li- listening to a ghetto blaster <laughs> up by his ear and he, she was like, oh, I think he could be deaf. And we had a bit of a moment with him for a few years where they thought he might have been deaf. And I think eventually he grew out of it. But it wasn't more than, than that. And it was pretty much ignored. <laughs> Otherwise, you know, you'd just carry on. So and or you just learn to live with something and and I guess you've adapted so well without knowing that you had this problem. So then suddenly you've got this challenge. Your life must have kind of flipped upside down. I mean, I'd be asking myself the question sort of, well, what haven't I heard or have I missed out on things because of this? And how have I managed to get to where I'm at to at 29, which is quite a good age? You know, you're a mature adult. Where am I going next? Like, what's the next half of my life going to look like? I mean. How much did all these things come flooding into your psyche that you that you started to think or question about yourself and your life? Oh my god, massively! I mean, you say at twenty nine you're a mature adult, but I'm a comedian and actress, so I don't think I'll ever really be mature. Um, I'm silly. (laughs) Yeah, it was it was a huge shock, and interestingly, my mum has hearing aids, 
and had hearing aids at the time, but we'd never discussed it really as a family. She sort of got them and we knew she had them. <laughs> And then we just like ignored it and just she got on with it. And <laughs> do you think that was a thing back in the old days? Yeah. I think we can say, I think we just, our parents did ignore a lot that was going on around us as children. Yeah. And we didn't have social media to back anything up. It was just like, oh, there you go. On you get. And also, yeah, there wasn't the, I think the good thing about social media and the internet is it's an amazing way to help you connect with other people going mm. through what you're going through. Yeah, and absolutely. It it wasn't until like, you know, I started on my deaf journey and I became an ambassador and wrote my books that I started actually thinking about what my mum went through and the fact that we all just ignored it and she was coping with it on her own. And also we used to make jokes. Like I remember being on holiday and she couldn't hear something we said. And so she said four o'clock because she she thought we were suggesting a time, but we were saying something completely different, like look at that palm tree. <laughs> and she was like four o'clock. And then four <laughs> o'clock became like this running joke, like a callback in our family. And we'd always just like, me and my sister, my dad would always just be like four o'clock um, to my mom. And, you know, and I think now, God, that's so horrible. If someone did that to me, like made a joke mm. because of my deafness, you know, because I do mm. have to ask people to repeat themselves or, you know, yeah. move so I can see their mouth, like if we're in a bar or something and it's dark so I can lip read. And I I can't believe, you know, we did that to my mum. So, yeah. yeah, it's definitely been a journey. But, yeah, when I discovered I had hearing loss and deafness and they said, you need a hearing aid, I was so shocked and I walked, my audiologist was near Westfield shopping centre and I was walking back to the tube and I found a bike storage shed, which was like the only quiet place I could find and just cried in there. And at one point a woman walked in, (laughs) maybe to get her bike, saw me crying and in a very British way, kept eye contact and just backed away slowly and then left. (laughs) Like, I am not getting involved in whatever this is. <laughs> yeah, good. So she may nice. never have seen her bike again. We don't know. <laughs> She's like, I'm leaving it. It's not worth it. Um, but yeah, it was, it was, yeah, it was a complete shock. And I remember ringing my mum and her being like, I've got two hearing aids. And I was like, yeah, but you're 60 and I'm not even 30 yet. Like, what does this mm. mean for my life? And at the time I was doing period dramas, like, the crown and call the midwife and I was like well I'm not going to be able to do those and wear a hearing aid because it's a modern hearing that's aid. That's interesting yeah that's interesting just just going back to what you mentioned there it's like well mum you're 60 it's this association we have of being old and that's something that only old people have and it's that stigma attached to it mm. that we've just always associated with older people in that sense and I guess you're feeling at the age of 30 like why you yeah it's not going to and how does and how does that then look in society and the stigma attached to it? Yeah, I just thought there's no one else like me. There's no one else with a hearing aid mm. um, at 30. There's no one else who's been through this. I'm different. I'm other. That's what's been amazing about the kind of my deaf journey, which I realize is a very like Davina McCall and Big Brother 
journey, but it has been. It has been. We a love journey. a journey. You're on the becoming more human yeah. podcast. Um, you are on the journey. Journey, but it has been a journey, and you know, getting involved with the Royal National Institute for Deaf People, and I'm now their ambassador, and like getting involved in loads of their projects and meeting other deaf people, young deaf people mm. and older deaf people, and learning from them and hearing about their experiences and people who are born deaf, and I'm learning sign language. Like it's opened me up to this whole new amazing world that I never wow. knew existed when I was crying in that bike shed in Westfield. Mm. Is this sort of the world that you've now feel like you've opened up and you've stepped into? Have you come up against negativity though during this journey? Have you have you felt people's sort of stigma attached to it? Have you have you felt any of those things or have you has it actually been expansive and you've you've learned the sort of the positives of all of this I think it's been expansive for myself like I feel I really feel the positives of being deaf and the deaf community and British Sign Language so you know internally for me I'm really happy to be deaf and I'm so happy that I've made all these new connections and have had this experience. But Mm. yeah, deaf awareness in society is terrible. And people say (laughs) very strange things. I actually have a chapter in my book, Living with Hearing Loss and Deafness, what not to say to deaf people because we get Give give us a couple of things. You don't look deaf, people say. (laughs) And actually, (laughs) my answer to this is always the same, right? Because deaf people are really attractive. Halle Berry is deaf in one ear. Niall DeMarco won like an American's next top model and he was on like American Strictly and stuff. He's gorgeous. He's a model that, you know, we've seen the people on the deaf people on Love Island, like deaf people are attractive. So actually I feel like it's people saying to me, you're not attractive enough to be deaf. And I'm like, oh, I'm offended. It's just such a weird thing to say. So bizarre. And a lot of deaf people get it. You know, I interviewed a lot of people when I was writing the book and they were like, what What are we meant to look like? You don't sound yeah. deaf is another one. So yeah. that's talking about uh, the deaf accent, as we call it. Yeah. And, um, you know, having, whether you have a deaf accent or not, has Re- there's it's no indication of your level of hearing loss and deafness it's mm. just based on how you developed oral speech you know and also I'm a trained actress so I over enunciate yeah. because I was trained to do that um yeah. and some people you know who were born deaf don't have a deaf accent and other people who were mm. d- became deaf later in life do have a deaf accent so it it really it's not an indicator of you know how deaf yeah. you and that's another question people ask like people are very concerned with the level of deafness right okay and also i f- i find that a, <laughs> such an odd thing to be I concerned know. with though isn't it's it it's like it's 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 such a, a weird one. You know, when you say to someone, oh, I, I've just been for a doctor's appointment and you don't know the person and they, yeah. if they were to say, oh, what happened? You'd be like, that's you uh, an invasive yeah. question. <laughs> so it's like, I went for a hearing test or like I'm deaf and they're like, oh, how how deaf are you? What level? You know, it's like, yeah. do you do, you only need to know that I'm deaf because that's what I've told you. But yeah. Um, and also, I actually find that a lot of other deaf people and people with hearing loss who maybe um, 
are surrounded by other people with full hearing rather than other deaf yeah. people, when they get in contact with me, they always tell me their level of deafness. And I'm like, right. I don't, I, you know, thank you for sharing that information with me, but I'm not going to yeah. treat you any differently if you have yeah. like 10% of hearing loss or 80% of hearing loss or yeah. you're deaf in one ear or, you know, and, yeah. and I think it's this, it's interesting. It's like almost, and I felt the need to do it as well, you know, yeah. because I am, I wear a hearing aid on one side. So my deafness is worse on one side, but I also have yeah. hearing loss on the other side. And um, when people say to me, oh, you're single-sided deaf, which is deaf in one ear, I, I, I feel like I have to be like, no, no, I'm deaf in both ears. It's just worse on one side. And, and it's this weird mm. like feeling that I need to like justify how deaf I am yeah. for you to take it seriously. Um, mm, it's interesting. Yeah, but the thing is, you know, no matter your level, in inverted commas, yeah. of deafness, it will still have a big impact on your life and your mental health and you know, so mm. it we're all allowed to be in the deaf club, and <laughs> however deaf you are, you're allowed in the club. Yeah, and for people who who may be thinking, "Am I deaf?" You know, maybe my hearing's not great. I'm too scared to go and get tested. I'm too scared to go and to show my vulnerabilities and to potentially think that I might have to wear a hearing aid. I mean, what would you say to those types of people? Because there's a lot of people walking around without it who I think, you know, with a hearing aid, you're going to, to be able to hear. And that's quite a wonderful thing to do. So what would you say to, to them? Yeah, I think it's it's really the idea of it is really scary. And especially if you don't necessarily know anyone in your life that has a hearing aid or is deaf, or mm. if you do, it might be that kind of stereotypical thing we see on on TV of like, granddad hasn't turned his hearing aids on at Christmas dinner, yeah. you know, and, <laughs> and granddad at Christmas dinner exists in the world, but there's also lots yeah. of other, you know, examples and yeah. experiences of deafness. So I think it can be really scary and it can I know I felt like, oh my God, is my life over? Is my career over? What's this going to mean for relationships? And actually it's been such a positive thing. Like I love my hearing aid. I have a Bluetooth mm. hearing aid so I can stream Beyonce if I'm bored in That's a meeting. Brilliant. Um, I can, <laughs> Nobody knows. Yeah, it's great. <laughs> I can listen to podcasts and, and music and audio books um, through it. Um, obviously it's if amazing. I'm in a quiet environment otherwise I, I won't all be able yeah. to always be able to hear the words it can connect to the tv which helps with the subtitles like my hearing aids pink so I really wow. show it off and and there aren't many yes, companies can... actually that do colorful hearing aids it's incredible you, you've got it on your instagram if people want to have a look yeah yeah so it's a that's amazing a bright pink widex one and I also wear hearing aid jewelry so this is mm. um I, there's this incredible woman called Jenny she has a company called Deaf Metal. She's based in Finland. Great name. Yeah. Great, great name. I love that. And she's designed hearing aid. I've actually just designed a range with her of four designs. Um, but she designs hearing aid jewellery that you connect to your hearing aid and then through your ear piercing. There are options if you don't have your ears pierced. But it means that not only can you like bedazzle your hearing aids and make them feel more you and fun and like an accessory yeah. as well as something that is useful but they also because they connect your ear piercing 
it's like a safety feature. So if you're hearing aid pings off for any reason, like if you have glasses and it gets caught or masks, they used to ping off all the time. It acts as like a safety feature. And so all of those things I've just said, they're only, they're like not even the thing, which is it also helps you in, you know, it won't (laughs) cure your hearing loss and deafness. That's not what they do, but it will enhance the hearing that you already have and just help you like in a crowded restaurant it helps dull background noise so I can focus more on the person in front of me mm. and, and lip read but also listen yeah. and I don't think you know I didn't realize how much strain there's something called concentration fatigue that you get in a lot of scenarios but a lot of deaf people have which is the concentration of constantly lip reading or trying Mm. to hear all day every day is exhausting and when I I got my hearing aid just because it was helping that little bit it was like getting into a warm bath like it felt really relaxing Mm. because I was like oh Mm. it's taking some of the weight off huge weight it's massive I remember the first time I um had my glasses and I nearly cried (laughs) I was literally like, I can see for the first time in years. I can see, I can see what everybody else sees really clearly. And I'm not even that poor sighted. I am, you know, you know, like minus two or something. It's not that bad, Um, but it's bad enough that, you know. But you're allowed to be in the glasses club. I'm allowed to be in the glasses club and I'm, you know, progressed into contact lenses after 10 years of wearing glasses. That's also a game changer, which I never thought I would do. And it's so silly because it genuinely helps you live a better life. And yet we think, oh, no, I don't want to do that. Oh, no, it's not. No, it's not for me. Or that's a hassle or I'm fine. I don't think I'm that bad, actually. But we have to lean in on these things because they can change your life. And I think they can alter who you are because you know, if you're straining your ears and your body all the time, you're going to get more tired, you're more fatigued. You know, how are you meant to do your job as well as as well as you can do? Yeah. And deaf people are twice as likely as people with full hearing to experience mental health issues. And a lot of that Mm. is, you know, down to social isolation. And obviously, some people choose to not have hearing aids or not get a cochlear implant. And they're very personal choices. But if you're kind of on the fence and you don't know whether to try it, then getting a hearing aid has been proven to kind of stop things like dementia from appearing so quickly. And that's interesting. Yeah. So it is it's always worth a try. And Mm. and the thing with it, you know, if you can, because also depending on your type of deafness or like how you your deafness came about, because sometimes you can you know, there's, as I mentioned, like perforated eardrum, noise damage over time. You can get it from certain cancer medications as a side effect. Right. So depending on how your deafness came about, hearing aids might not work for you. So it might be a cochlear yeah. implant or it might be a, um, a BAHA, which is slightly different yeah. to a cochlear implant. But it is worth researching it and giving it a go. And if it is a behind the ear hearing aid, which is the one I have and is the Mm. one we see I would say more commonly then you know it's something that you can get on the NHS you can you put it on and take it off it's not an operation like something like a cochlear implant is but you do need to stick with it because your brain over time has got used to 
this new mm, level of silence so or tinnitus for me. Yeah. And your brain takes a few weeks to deal with this new level of sound that your hearing aid is providing. So when so you it must be overwhelming to start with, I'd imagine. Yeah. And I feel like people don't tell, I mean, this is one of the reasons I wrote my book as well, because I feel like I didn't have any of this information. So I went to my hearing right. aid fitting and they they put it in my ear. They also made me put it in my ear in front of them. And it felt like putting in a tampon for the first time with someone watching. <laughs> like it was so <laughs> awkward because you think you know, right? You've seen the tampon diagram from the box, right? And you're like, well, that's what it looks like. It goes straight up. But then, you know, we all have different yeah. angles and stuff. And so the first time you do it, you're like, what is this? What am I strange? <laughs> and it's the same with your ear canal. It's like, yeah. it doesn't, why can't I get the bud in my <laughs> ear canal? Because it goes in in a different way than like earbuds right. do. So that yeah. was incredibly embarrassing. But then also <laughs> they sort of release you into the world with this new hearing aid. And I went to the toilet in the audiology centre where I'd just been given my hearing aid. And I genuinely, it sounds like a joke, but I went in the loo and I genuinely cr genuinely crouched down on the floor because someone turned the, hair dry the hand dryer on. <laughs> And I was like, oh, my God. Like, it sounded like the, the building was being torn apart. <laughs> and like taking off or something and everything oh, was gosh. so loud I walked along the street and the cars it sounded like I was walking oh down the middle of Petrified. like an F1 like race <laughs> it was so overwhelming and actually you, you know you only wear your hearing aid for like a couple of hours a day and yeah. then build it up but I feel like I didn't have any of that information and I met a friend for coffee afterwards which was the worst idea ever <laughs> Because the coffee shop was so loud, I couldn't hear anything she was saying because all I could hear oh, was background no. noise. Yeah, And that's what it's like at the beginning. Whereas now when I wear it, it dulls background noise because my brain's used to it. But uh, right. it was so exhausting. It's exhausting. Yeah, because you're, you're happy that you can hear, but then you're, this is too much. And I could imagine there's an impulse to want to actually just rip it out and say, I'm done. I don't yeah. actually want to stick I that. wasn't happy that I could hear because I was like, I'm hearing everything and I don't want to hear yeah. all these things, you know, and I had to a lovely quieter time. Before. Yeah, you had a quiet life. <laughs> and everything sounds <laughs> you know so loud, but it does, it does regulate. It won't sound yes. that loud after a week. Yeah, you have to stick with it. So how did your, your mental health impact get impacted by, by this? Yeah, so I have always had anxiety. I was on anxiety medication before I got my hearing aid. Mm. And looking back, I mean, I don't know if I, if I got a hearing aid earlier or I found out I was deaf earlier. I'm not necessarily saying I wouldn't have had anxiety as well, but definitely yeah. anxiety in social situations makes a lot of sense because, mm. you know, I'm an actress comedian. People are like, you're so confident you can walk into any yeah. room. But yeah, that's what I would have presumed. Yeah, no, quite often I'm like, have to psych myself up to go out. And especially if I know mm. it's going to be like a loud environment and it's going to be tiring for me because I'm going to be like lip reading. And if I'm meeting a lot of new people, it's kind of harder to lip read new people because you don't know if they have an accent or if they, that mouth patterns are different. And, yeah. and also if you're meeting lots of people and you have to tell them you're deaf and, you know, obviously you don't yeah. always have to tell everyone, but 
being deaf comes with a lot of self-advocacy, which is, I'm deaf, I wear a hearing aid and I need to lip read. So do you mind facing me so I can read your lips? Otherwise, you're just sort of nodding along and not following in the conversation. So sometimes even that can get really tiring. And like, I'm an Mm. ambassador and I wrote a book about it, but sometimes I'm like, I can't be bothered yeah. to tell everyone yeah. I'm deaf today because, and, and, you know, people we were saying earlier, what's the, the things you shouldn't say to a deaf person. People yeah. often say to me things like, yeah, but you're not really deaf though, are you? Because, you know, look at you. Like, you yeah. You're talking. Yeah. Yeah. Telling people constantly is tiring mm. and sometimes I don't want to, and I can't be bothered, but it does make my life easier if people know. Yeah because I can lip yeah. read and especially yeah. you know I used to be a comedian I used to do stand-up comedy and I actually stopped mm. um partly because of my deafness and that's not to say right. that deaf people can't be stand-up comedians but I realized that those environments I was going into you know traveling mm. on my own and public transport yeah. which is really difficult when you're deaf because you miss announcements and things mm. like that and and it also it's really noisy and there's a lot going on. And then you get to the gig and the gig is noisy and there's a bar and everyone's talking on their way in. And yeah. then you're in the green room and it's only separated from the stage by like a thin curtain and all the comedians yeah. are talking to you. And there's also background music. You know, when I was on stage, it was fine because everyone had to be quiet and I had a microphone. But you were exhausted, I'd imagine, yeah. by the time you got on stage. And then, you know, and that whole process, I was finding like the next day, I basically needed to sleep yeah. for half the day which meant that I couldn't do all of the other things that I do and while I do love doing comedy and I did love stand-up I realized that I could still be funny in the other things I do but not have Mm. to put myself in those environments quite so often you know because stand-up you're gigging like four or five times a week whereas being an author and going to some book launches is like you know once a week which is doable (laughs) So obviously you've learned a new style of communication and something that I'm really interested in is how how we communicate with others. I think often even to people that have, you know, supposedly good hearing don't communicate well quite often. Have you learned anything that you've been amazed by that you wish people with so-called great hearing just would learn more about communication? Is there any like tidbits you've picked up that we need to do or anything that Oh my gosh, this new world. Yes, I'm, yes, you're dealing with your hearing aid. You're dealing with an actual issue that you've got for the rest of your life. But there are things that you've learned that you think we should all be implementing this into communication. This is really amazing, powerful stuff that I can't believe more people don't know about. I mean, is there anything that you've picked up that you just wish? Yeah. That you could share. Yeah. So I wouldn't say great hearing. I'd say full hearing for people with full hearing. Full hearing. Because my hearing's great Fine. too. It's just. Yeah, yours is great. Good word. Um, Thank you for that. uh, Deaf people listen, which sounds ironic. (laughs) Um, But because we can't always hear exactly what you're saying with your mouth, on the things that we can hear and on the things that we Mm. can read visually, we definitely listen more. And I've interviewed, you know, a deaf nurse for example, for my book. And she's faced a lot of, you know, stigma in the workplace and and deaf people do. And there's a lot of assumptions about what we can and can't do. And, you Mm. know, people say like, oh, how can you be a deaf nurse? How can you be a deaf doctor? And actually she notices things that 
full hearing nurses and doctors don't because yeah. she listens in lots of different ways that aren't just based on what someone's saying. And she's picked up on a lot of things that mm, might have that. gone missed because, you know, she's aware visually, she's aware of body language. And, you know, with British Sign Language, it's a legally recognised language now. It comes with its own sentence, structure, grammar, its own culture. Mm, wow. And it's very visually expressive. And you use your body as well as your hands, as well as your facial expressions. Mm. And as an actor, as soon as I started learning it, I was like, oh my God, I found my language. Because when I learned <laughs> French at school, my French teacher yeah. told me not to write a lot in the exam so I wouldn't get a lot wrong. She was literally like, wow. less is more. Um, less is more, okay. I mean, I still got a B, I'm just saying. But I think a, That's very good. I think a lot of that was me in the oral exam, just faking that I understood. <laughs> and like, if she <laughs> laughed, I just really laughed. Like I'd got the joke and I had no idea what was going on. Um, <laughs> but sign language is so like beautiful and intuitive mm. and expressive. And it's interesting when I am communicating with someone in, you know, I'm still learning sign language because it yeah. takes years. But when I'm communicating with someone in sign language, I'm much more honest than I am when oh, I that's speak. Interesting. So why would that be? I think it's because, I mean, maybe it's because my um, sign language skills aren't amazing yet. So my vocab is limited. But I think, you know, when someone says, how are you in sign language, you actually answer. You don't just say mm. fine. Like, I don't even know. I don't think I know the sign for fine. I know the sign for that's good, but like, because it's such well, a physical expression and you're saying, I'm good. If you don't feel good yeah. when you're doing it, it feels That's so off. interesting. So, you know, my sister knows a little bit of sign language and obviously I communicate in sign language with any deaf people who use BSL that I meet and in my class when I'm learning. And yeah, I definitely find I have more honest, like lying in sign language feels wrong. Whereas lying with my so voice is easy. <laughs> oh, I'm really blown away by that. I love that. There's something very poetic and very beautiful about that. And this idea of, of not speaking. And first of all, that you mentioned about the nurse and listening. I think that's a, a really key thing that most people are terrible at doing is actually just listening to the other person. But And also when, when you you're deaf, I guess there's quite a lot of us don't experience full silence even though we're deaf you know I have two types mm. of tinnitus and you might still hear like muffled noise and things like that but yeah I guess we experience more silence so we're okay more with silence mm -hmm. whereas I think quite often when we're speaking orally we're keen to fill the silence with speak yes so you just talk whereas when you yeah. become more confident in the spaces where there aren't talking or noise yeah I don't know, just taking that beat almost feels like you centre into yourself and your feelings a bit more as well. Well, it's so true. And I think that's that's what I'm getting across when I'm listening to you speak about it and, and how you communicate. It's this idea of actually being much more centred and grounded in who you are and being aware that you've got all of these skill sets now around communication that you can tap into. It's very, very clever. It's it's very smart because you're having to use all your senses, all of your, all of yourself 
to communicate and especially through sign language. I mean, I've only ever watched sign language. I can't do sign language myself. I've seen my my little two-year-old niece, uh, uh, nephew, sorry, he learns it at, at play school. So he does little bits and he well, says thank you Does he learn Makaton though or sign language? So a big thing in the deaf community yes. that people get really stressed about is the fact that Makaton is, is different from sign language. So oh, Makaton... Tell me about Makaton. So Makaton is not an official language like sign language is. Um, yeah. And it's normally taught to young children or children with like learning difficulties, children mm. before they're, they're communicating. Oh, it must be Makaton, yeah. So, yeah, so it might be, but quite often it's just called sign language. So yes. deaf people... Okay, this is, an, <laughs> this is another thing. Yeah, so deaf this people in the deaf okay. community, we can find it quite stressful because people will be like, I learned sign language with my son at school or, you know, that we're learning and then they'll start doing it and you'll be like, that's not... Sign, like that's, that's not, not British it. sign language like which is a, a legal <laughs> recognized language and it's Makaton and so I think also there isn't um the awareness isn't there for those being two separate things and also no. the the um transparency isn't always there when it's being taught because it should mm. be called Makaton if it's being taught yeah or called sign language and um yeah. British sign language is the language that deaf people use and they don't mm. use Makaton. So sign language, British sign language, as I said, has a sentence structure. There's grammar, yeah. that, whereas Makaton is a series of like individual signs for things, mm. if you get what I mean. So it's not a language yeah. in the same way like French is a language. And But isn't it interesting that we're having this conversation because it's, so, it's something that's always overlooked, I yeah. think, that, you know, it's only... So through society's norms, if we start challenging them, are we going to learn and, and be able to improve? And then by you teaching me, you're teaching people who are listening to the podcast and we can have that sort of ripple effect. But often we only we don't see people with um, hearing aids on the telly very often. You know, we don't see them in films necessarily. We don't. Well, we definitely don't spot the hearing aid or spot any of that association. And uh, and the same with sign language. It's we might see sign language on a, a TV program, maybe to do with the Queen or to do with something very British. Where the, you know, I was thinking of the the Jubilee and all the other celebrations we've had recently. You know, that suddenly somebody pops up on your telly and you're like, oh, that's great. Mm. But it's just part and parcel of of culture often because, as you've probably identified in your experiences it's something that we're not necessarily aware of yeah. and necessarily know how to handle when we are aware of it or deal with it or know what the right things to say. So without, without having these conversations, we're not going to be able to improve. So yeah. And that was the same as me, right? Like I remember I went to mm. the audiologist and I was like, suddenly walked in and thought, oh my God, are they going to use sign language here? Because it's an audiologist and I don't know any sign language. And what do I do when I go in? And I walked into the reception. I just stood there in silence and smiled. And then <laughs> um, as you quickly find out, most of the people who work in audiology have full hearing. But there are some amazing, <laughs> there are some amazing deaf audiologists as well. But, you know, I had never met a person that used sign language before. So I had no idea 
you know, what to do. And I, you know, made a complete fool of myself. And then I wrote about the Mm. experience in my book so that no one else has to make a fool of themselves. But, you know, Mm. it, it, yeah, it's something that we're not exposed to. And 12 million people in the UK have some form of hearing loss or deafness. So that's one in five. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Blown away by that stat. So, you know. That's a lot. Yeah. And that's a lot. And as you start talking about it, people in your life, I'm sure will say I have hearing aids and you will have never known. That's what happened to me. I did a talk in a, mm. in a workplace recently and a woman who'd been working there for 10 years told all her colleagues at my talk that she had hearing aids and they never oh knew. She just wore oh, her hair down. Well, um, 10 oh years. Can we also appreciate anybody, any woman who wears their hair down for that long? Because we all know it's just impossible. So you need hot. to be putting that up. So hot. Sweaty. You need to have a few greasy days where you wear yeah. it up. So that's high maintenance as well. Like she's to, to do that's incredible. And also to feel like you have to hide something every day. Sad. And really, you know, really when I first discovered you know, I was deaf and I started wearing my hearing aid. I used to hide it. I used to go into auditions for TV and stuff and hide my hearing aid and not or take it out before so they wouldn't see it. And then I w- I'd miss things. I wouldn't hear stuff. You know, if the director was sitting behind a screen or something and directing me right. and I couldn't lip read them, I wouldn't say anything. I'd just nod along. Obviously, if a director is directing you, <laughs> it's quite difficult yeah. if you can't hear what they're saying. <laughs> I'll just do it a bit differently and hope for the best. <laughs> I um, can see something moving. Yeah, and then, His mouth's moving. I'm just trying to figure it out. And then once I, you know, started being open about it, it was such a relief. But it was so scary to do it because I thought I'm going to be judged. I'm going to not get the job or, you know. Do you feel that you have been judged for and not getting jobs because yeah, of it? Definitely. And I, I think a lot of people, you know, in, in all workplaces have been judged and feel like, you know, I was talking to someone the other day and they told me that um, they once went for a promotion at work and the person said to them, the manager of this team said to them, I've got no place in my team for someone who can't use a telephone. And it's it's just... That's that's that, and that's it, it may, awful. That's literally the awful. Yeah, you know, people might be listening and thinking, oh, well, you know, if you work in a call center, then obviously that would be difficult. But there are so many ways to make life accessible. Not, if you work yeah, in a call center, you can get a phone that like creates subtitles while the person mm. is talking, and you can sit in a quieter area so that you're more likely to be able to hear what the person is saying. Or if you're profoundly deaf and you can't use the telephone, there are so many other things that you can do. Like so many other, everyone yeah. who works in a call centre doesn't have to use a telephone. Like there's other roles and yeah. supervisor roles. And I think quite often we, you know, blanket decide, oh, mm. oh they're deaf or they're disabled. That's going to be difficult for me. That's going to make my life harder to hire a disabled person. And it's not true. Experiences that we've had as individuals actually make us assets. Oh, in yeah. A and that's what I'm, of course it does. And, and socially, for me, you know, I'm already learning so much today from you. And communication is at the heart of, of every human and it doesn't matter what background you come from it doesn't matter where you live in the world and 
you know, to to experience not having your full hearing and to develop other communicational methods and to be able to use yourself fully like that. I think it's incredible. And there is so much that you can teach to other people, whatever status they're at, wherever they're at, that actually is going to be of benefit because there isn't just one way of doing things. And the more I've learned about communications and how we and how we operate as a human with other humans there is so much that we don't know about communication and and that we can learn and also there's 12 million of us right in the UK alone so if you're that's identified imagine all the ones that aren't identified and imagine if you're an employer and you're like oh I can't hire a deaf person because I'm going to make my life more difficult if you think one in five people are deaf yeah you probably already hire deaf people that are struggling. And also your customers, whatever business you have, one in five of them are going to be deaf. And there was an amazing study um, and kind of there's this big paper and website. It's called the Inclusion Guide, but inclusion is spelled mm. I-N-K because it's about the writing industry. Um, and they've done these incredible studies about what's called the purple pound which is the buying power of disabled people which is huge and also right. studies have been done you know asking disabled and deaf people if they would um, were more likely to use a company that is deaf aware and they of course say yes so you know as well like in that call center are you offering a video call with bsl option because if you're not, mm. you're missing out on customers. And if you hire a deaf person who can do that video call, you know, from from your end and work with them, that's only going to uh, enhance your business. But, you know, and there's also government grants for access to work to help in the workplace to, yeah. you know, to provide some of, you know, reasonable adjustments are part of the law. So it's down to your employer yeah. to make reasonable adjustments. But there are grants in place to get, you know, extra equipment and things like that. So, you know, mm. this idea that em- employers are like, oh, no, I can't do it because it's going to make my life more difficult. It's not true. It's actually going to enhance yeah. your workforce, make it more accessible for the people who work for you and for your customers. And you'll get some government grants to make your workplace more accessible. That sounds like mm. a win-win scenario it, to me. Absolutely. It really does. And I and I think, I like to think the world's, you know, being more progressive in some areas than it has been and more open. But I, I, I don't genuinely think it is in some areas. I think we've got a hell of a long way to go. But for me, social media, that's why this kind of subject topic is so powerful because I feel that's where you get your community. And, you know, if I was you know a teenager sitting at home or listening to this or the parent of a teenager like I know I could they could plug this podcast in sitting in their bedroom and listen go onto your social media and straight away connect and not feel lonely and not feel on their own that's what's so powerful even though society as a whole I still think we've got a lot of barriers to break and I think there's a long way to go. And I'm, I'm sure you probably feel the same having dived into this yourself from the age of sort of 29. Yeah, I mean, it was Deaf Awareness Week when my book came out, which is a, mm. a few weeks ago now. So lots of TV programs were like, let's get a deaf person on. You know, great. I mean, we're here all year yes. round, but great. And I was actually told by TV producers, like, we've already got a deaf person for this week. So it's like, you know, 
sorry, we take that box. So bye. Yeah. And I've spoken to like right. other deaf people in the public eye about this. And it's like, mm. there's never more than one of us on a, it's like how I used to feel being a comedian and a woman. There was never, mm. you know, it's much better now. It still could get better. But, you know, there was never more than one female comedian on a bill. Um, mm. And, you know, now it's like in a in a panel scenario on a TV program in a, you know, whatever it is, live event. There's never yeah. more than one deaf or disabled person. Definitely not two people with who are both deaf or have the same disability because that's like, whoa. Yeah. Um, too much yeah and too much and, I mean obviously I'm a, a privileged white woman saying this and so I'm sure other people feel this about kind of race yeah. and diversity as well but it's it's something that you think we'd have addressed more by now but we still haven't no I I don't think we have I think the world's taking a few odd twists and turns at the moment but I, overall I feel there are lots of people like yourself doing good out there. They're building communities. You know, your books are fantastic. You've written children's books as well, haven't you? Yes, I've written two children's books with deaf protagonists. One's called mm. Harriet versus the Galaxy. And Harriet has a hearing aid like me. And her hearing aid translates alien languages. And her and her gran <laughs> protect the earth from aliens. I sure. just love that. I love that. And then The Night the Moon Went Out <laughs> is about a little girl called Anaira who has two hearing aids, but she has to take them out at night to charge them, as I do. Um, and so it makes the dark even scarier because you can't see and you can't hear. Um, oh so one night she accidentally turns the moon off, as you do. <laughs> and so she has to go on a journey with the help of a um, telepathically talking owl to turn it back on again. <laughs> and decide so that the dark isn't that scary after all so those are the children's books and then yeah my adults books called living with hearing loss and deafness but I mean the reason I started writing all these things because I never thought I'd be an author because when I was younger I was like oh authors are old white men with gray hair like that's how it <laughs> you works. <were> hearing aids. <laughs> yeah. um, and I thought you know no one's gonna let me silly old me be an author and especially not to write books with deaf main characters yeah. but that's why I wanted to write them in the first place because I'd never read one at that time a book mm. with a deaf main character and it it's been amazing like you know being deaf has made me an author I would never have. It's incredible. I would never have done it if I wasn't deaf and I wasn't like right. I need to sort this out, and you know that's why I um. And now, but it's there's inspiring. a lot of great books by deaf authors. Yeah, but it's so ins it's so inspiring because you always and when you have a crossroads in life, you have an option. There all there's always an option, and the, there's a different road you can take. You can obviously go in on yourself and and go through a different journey where you feel that you know why me. Or you can be expansive and know that you're going to use that to your good. And, and, and I think that there's no perfect way you can take. It's obviously you're, when you're at those crossroads, you're hearing that bad stuff, but you've got to see that glimmer of light. I mean, that's, that's the journey that hopefully you're going to push yourself out of that uncomfortable space that you're currently finding yourself in and finding this new expansive light that hopefully takes you on this amazing journey that that you can't predict, you don't have a crystal ball, you, you're not sure where it's going to take you, but you know that you are being true to yourself and being authentic to where you are at this stage. And it's hugely admirable because 
lots of people go through lots of things in life and have those options and don't always take that road or might it might take them 10 or 20 years to sort of come to that realization so I mean hats off to you and the book's brilliant um i'm gonna buy those for my nieces and nephews they are gonna love those that's a nice way you put it as well because my best friend says i've managed to monetize my deafness and um (laughs) and also my divorce because i have a podcast called the divorce social but anyone who works in books or podcasts knows that monetizing is a bit of a strong word because you don't exactly make thousands unless you (laughs) you know are yeah Unless we, you know, maybe, One day. you know, I said we, I, by the way, I said we, I was about to say we could take it to the next level because yeah. I'm so used to just joining these things. I'm like, let's jump in with you, Samantha. Yeah. I was thinking, you know, you'd be the next JK Rowling, off you go, we'll make a, a massive hit. Not a transphobe, you know. but apart Not from that, yeah. <laughs> we'll ignore that bit for now, but just, you know, we're going on, we're going, heading to the big screen. Yeah. Um, that's where it needs to go. Come on, Samantha. That's, well, my that's first book has been optioned for TV. Oh, it is in development. But whether that happens. Okay. Or, we'll probably TV. never see Samantha again. Yeah. This is it now. I feel like this is your last and make your million. <laughs> so the we'll TV world is very fickle, as I found out, yeah. having been on TV. Um, so <laughs> whether anything will happen from that or not, but it's nice that someone is interested in it. Well, let's put the good things out there in the universe because you just never, ever know. Yeah. Samantha. I've got three burning questions for you. Sort of quick fire. What have you learned about yourself that you didn't know before? I'm deaf. (laughs) (laughs) That's actually a really good one because you really do. I'm deaf. I have ADHD. I have anxiety. And I've learned actually that I'm quite a nice person, which I think is a nice thing to learn. Quite nice. Yeah. After my, you weren't sure before, but now you know. No. Well, after so I had a, a run of things. I discovered I was deaf. My dad died, and I got divorced all in the space of like a few years. So it was quite a traumatic time. But after I got, th- I did a lot of work on myself, obviously. And after I got through that, I think I was like, found myself a little bit, and was like, oh, I, actually, I think I'm. You know, I'm I definitely have my faults, but I think at, at the core, I'm quite a nice person. I think that was a nice realization. Mm, I love that. There's not many people that would actually say that either, especially in the UK. We're very stiff upper lip, mm. unemotional. Um, so also, I'm hilarious quote? and incredibly talented. <laughs> <laughs> you are. I love hanging out with you. I think you're so funny. Do you have a quote or mantra that inspires you? There's mm. a few actually. This too shall pa- pass is a... I love that. Um, I nearly said yeah. that in a northern accent. This too shall pass. Who did think where that, yeah. where that was going? Is, is a common <laughs> one. Also, just like do it. <laughs> yeah. Well, we'll sponsor by Nike, shall we, on that Yeah, one? just do it. I think maybe not That's just it. so we don't get sued. Just should we go do, do it. it, do it. I I quite like that. Like when I'm thinking about something, I'm like, oh, I don't know, because blah, blah, blah. I just think in my head do it and see what happens and then there's a few there's a whole list now coming in there go with the flow because I always had a really strong plan for my life I was like I'm going to be an actor I'm going to be in soaps 
Like that's the plan. And then I like really stuck to it. And then I got headshots for that. And like, I was really focused on that. And then my career has taken wild, <laughs> dramatic turns. Like I became a comedian, <laughs> which is not a soap actress. And then, you know, I wrote books and then I have a podcast and I do the radio and I'm yeah. a journalist and I do too many things. Like people are always like, you do too many things, which is your favorite thing. But I love that. So I love, yeah, I love the the strange ways my career has gone so I'm I sort of embrace it's multifaceted that. yeah I embrace that a bit more I'm like just see like I never thought I'd have my own hearing aid jewelry range for example but now I do mm. so there you go. which is incredible and that's the thing though isn't it you've hit on a good thing there because I feel that we all we all have that kind of like flexibility in our 20s we're like oh we could do this and everything's just sort of like yay life is so great and then you sort of get towards 30 and after your 30s things start to get really serious and oh I've got to buy a house or I've got to do these things because I have to be an adult and this is what's art this is what society really expects of me and I have to get a proper job and just get one job um but That doesn't work for most people. Just get one job and just get one sensible job. I feel like none of my jobs have ever been sensible. But that's fine. I quit my proper job at 27. So I am with you on that. I think we're not sensible people. (laughs) No, I don't have any sensible friends, I've realized. (laughs) And as I grow up in this industry and meet more people, that I realize that we're very lucky to work in the media sphere it's full of lots of people with multi-hyphen jobs which I think is fantastic yeah and I think it energizes your brain and for me anything that stimulates my mind and keeps me thinking I feel that's only a good thing yeah and then one other thing I learned after my divorce is sleep on it so don't send that text immediately. You learned that after your divorce. Do you wish you'd learned that before your divorce? Well, I learned it during my divorce, <laughs> let's say. Okay. Is, yeah, don't send that text or that email or say that thing out of your mouth. Think about it overnight and then do it. I think that's really sound advice. And I, you know, I hope, I'm going to say this, I really hope I never come on your podcast. <laughs> <laughs> well... Statistically, <laughs> statistically, I probably yeah, will. I hope that too. Yeah, you want you're onto a great thing with that podcast because you know, like you said, statistically, you're always going to have people to be on that podcast. So. Yeah, and we do we do talk about like big breakups as well as divorce because some people yeah. don't believe in marriage, right? So some people won't ever officially yeah. get divorced. But yeah, yeah, but yeah, okay, big breakups. I love that. Right. Samantha, big final question for you is what does becoming more human mean to you? Mm. What I'm seeing in my head is like me morphing from an alien into just a human being. So um, I don't know if that is the answer. (laughs) Becoming less of an alien is becoming more human. (laughs) But also I quite like my alien tendencies. So yeah, I think becoming more human for me is just being honest. I love that. And in sign language, I have to be honest. So if you ever want the truth from me, just speak to me using British sign language and you'll get How it. How many years will that take me? <laughs> well, it's quite easy to learn like basic. You'll be able to ask okay. me, how are you, within like one lesson. Okay. I'm fine. Okay. Well, I'm going to try and learn that for next time I actually see you face to face. I feel like I've got a lot of homework after this podcast. And usually we have to give you the homework. <laughs> yeah, what's my me- homework? 
You've given me more homework. <laughs> Your homework is to keep spreading the good message and to keep, you know, to keep awareness up and high. I think you're doing a fantastic job, Samantha. So um, I really appreciate you coming on here, talking to me and just expanding my mind and making me see things differently. I feel this is what Becoming More Human is all about. So thank you so much. Thank you. I'm Francesca Donnellan, and you've been listening to Becoming More Human, the podcast. You can follow Becoming More Human on Instagram, subscribe, rate, and review the podcast on your podcast apps, such as Spotify, Apple, Amazon, and Google. And don't forget to check out our website for exclusive audio content on becomingmorehuman.co.uk. Join me next week for another inspiring conversation. Thank you for listening.